Welcome to the Abundant Leaders Podcast. I'm Tenji, your host, a certified executive coach and leadership developer with more than a decade of experience advising executives, managers, and companies on how to perform at their peak and find deeper alignment and fulfillment. My dream is for all of us to live in the truth and fullness of who we are so that we can have the biggest lives and most fulfilling careers that are possible for us. It is all possible for us. Together, let us lead ourselves, our people, and our organizations with confidence, courage, and wisdom. This is our time to heal and expand, to thrive, and to lead abundantly. Hi, everyone. Welcome back, and thanks for joining me today. In our next Real Leaders interview, I'm speaking with Amira El Misuri Salai. Amira is an unconventional barrister at law, a diehard investment professional whose passion is Africa, a development strategist, a mother of two, and a kick ass wife to a kick ass husband. <laughs> Born in Zimbabwe to Egyptian and South African parentage, Amira is passionate about developing the continent that birthed and nurtured her and ensuring a different story is told to the world about Africa. Her most recent role in the governance space involves holding a major development bank accountable for delivering on its mandate and measuring progress on the goals it sets for itself, which include, amongst others, climate development goals, infrastructure development, gender inclusion, and energy expansion. Being a holistic leader is something that Amira values deeply and has imbibed in her work. Delivering success comes from knowing your value and not being afraid of it while ensuring to lift others up on the way. What drew me to interview Amira was something that she said to me, which was, Tenji, I just know what I bring to the table. And she didn't add the just there because just as a qualifier, I added that. She simply said to me, Tenji, I know what I bring to the table. And it was such a powerful statement. She just owned it. She didn't think that she was being proud or thinking she was better than anyone or valuing herself too highly. And that drew me in because what does it take to have that level of unshakable confidence in yourself? That's something that I explore in the interview. And the second thing that you, I really loved about our conversation was when she shares how she was in a difficult situation at work and she did everything she could to improve it and then took strong action to deliberately move herself to a space where she could thrive because it was just no longer sustainable to stay in an environment that wasn't using the best of her. And I think we can all take a page out of her book. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Amira. Hi, Tenji. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today on the Abundant Leaders podcast. I really appreciate having you with me. Today, we're going to be having a really great conversation where you're going to share with me, and I want to explore with you your journey to a senior level of leadership. You are at an executive level in the organization that you're a part of, and it takes so much to get to that level of seniority as a Black woman, as a woman in Africa, and just generally as a person of color in a lot of spaces that are traditionally white. And so I would love to explore in this conversation how you've really embodied yourself 
owning your energy, owning your strengths, owning the space that you take up and really boldly using it to be impactful in your role at a very senior level. And I'm hoping that um, from hearing your story, anyone listening to this podcast feels inspired to do the same and supported in maybe a few ideas, a few strategies and and through your self-ownership, you know, they feel courageous to just say, fuck it. I'm just going to be myself and and throw a caution (laughs) to the wind. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Super honored to be here. Um, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Really. It's so necessary. Yeah, it really is. And and thank you for being willing to be here. So before we jump into the meat of the conversation, I'd love for people to get to know you a little bit more socially, a little more informally. So <laughs> <That's> dangerous. <laughs> I mean, it's only dangerous depending on what you share, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. That is true. That is so true. Yeah, so um, everyone listening has already heard your bio officially, um, but now we're going to ask some informal questions, and these are some rapid-fire one-sentence responses uh, that you can give to us. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is, what is your go-to genre and favorite book or movie? So I love um, like a smooth, chilled music. Actually, my favorite um group is called the Gotan group it's the Gotan project um and it's sort of tango the word tango mixed up it's a french-based group and they do argentinian tango tunes um love it it's seductive it's calm i can listen to it i can pretty much do anything with that music i'm reading in terms of favorite book the subtle art of not giving an f at the moment by mark manson and it is just fantastic. It's about letting go and letting live. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks yeah, I'm for trying sharing not, that. Not to get into the dangerous zone. <laughs> so <laughs> those are pretty safe options. You even you even self-censored the F of the title of the book you're reading. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I couldn't say the full word. I couldn't <laughs> Yeah, that's a really great book. I've I've been following Mark Manson for years, receiving his newsletter, and I just love the way he thinks. He's like real talk all the way. So I really love that. Absolutely. It's just liberating. For me, it's liberating to just simplify life and just get rid of the baggage. Yeah. (laughs) So the next question I have is, what leader do you admire, whether they're famous or not, and why? So, you know, I had to think about this, um, Tenji, and she came back to me over and over again, Mia Motley, um, the Prime Minister of Barbados, because she is just on fire, literally kick-ass, non-censored. She is just literally out fighting for small island states with this whole climate change and climate justice conversation. And it's like elevating the voice of people who have had their voice taken. I love her. She's, yeah, she's currently... At the moment, they change, but the person who I most admire. Oh, that's amazing. It sounds like she's really in, in purpose. Um, so is. So is. Yeah. But again, you know, you know, woman, a woman of color, um, having a voice articulate on a platform, speaking truth to power. That's, yeah, it resonates with me. Yeah. Okay. So the last one is... A fun question. What is, <laughs> what is something random that you've recently discovered about yourself? 
Oh my gosh, you know, um, I think for me in the last couple of months, especially having kids running around, you know, over the summer break is I've just discovered the joy of letting go, the art of letting go. Um, and, and it's kind of like spilt juice is fine. Spill the juice. It's okay. Let it fall. And let's not stress about it. Let's just have to clean it up. It's just another process, but don't, don't stress. And that has released a lot of tension. Um, you know, alternatively, I would just like go, ah, no, don't do this, but just let it happen. So that art of letting go and allowing the, the juice to spill has been the liberating discovery for me in the last couple of months. And I'm hoping to imbibe that a lot more in the next coming months or years in other areas of my life. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like what you're saying about using that in other areas of your life, it's always so uh, natural that you end up having a spillover of any any capacity you develop in your personal life because you take yourself everywhere. Well, you carry yeah. it with yeah. you even in your professional space. And it would be quite fun to see how this enhances yeah. how you're leading and how you're showing up at work with more maybe compassion, maybe acceptance, maybe willingness to Absolutely. go with the flow, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And being more, I think also just being more considerate with regards to when making mistakes, it's actually, you have no idea what that means, you know, how that can evolve into something else. So spill yeah. the juice. Spill, spill the juice. I love it. Spill that juice. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Amira, let's dive into the meat of our conversation. Um, I've already given a really nice introduction already as to what we're speaking about and why. And this is all about you know, celebrating being ourselves. The purpose of the Abundant Leaders podcast is to encourage and support, inspire, and maybe challenge you know, all of us to find the power that is inherent in us. I think there's so much in life that seeks to tell us we need to do more. Like mm. we need to be more, we need to keep growing. We need to accumulate more skills, more qualifications. We'll only have impact and influence when we're at a certain level. And until then we have to keep striving. And what I want to do is like give us permission to shine boldly and see the contribution, the value that we bring as we are right now in who we are. And so mm. um, with you, the first question I want to ask you is, you know, what are three things that you really celebrate in yourself that you know you solidly bring to the table. I remember when we were preparing for this conversation, you said something so, I felt it in my heart. You, you said, Tenji, I know what I bring to the table. And you said it so <laughs> definitively. You said it so confidently. You didn't say it in a way that felt conceited. It was so matter of fact, like Tenji, I know the sky is blue. So I want to explore that right like what are these things that you bring to the table that you know irref irref irrefutably are part of mm. who you are and your contribution mm. you know it, Tenji it's taken a while so that journey of of knowing self um has gone through you know many evolutions from university to career to marriage to just taking time for self and and you know, adopting your question to 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 my responses, it's you know the first thing I feel whenever I'm in a presence of a, a formal professional setting is that 
I come with so much. Historically, I come with a, a diverse background, diverse experience. So what I bring to a table is a different perspective. You know, with anything, there is an alternative narrative. And I will bring that narrative and I will want to push the boundaries. We become so um, complacent and sometimes lazy with just the usual type of rhetoric and narrative. I will push those boundaries. You know, in addition to that, sometimes when I'm in a professional or a career uh, you know, mode and I'm thinking about others around me, it's about lifting others up seeing who is around the table, seeing who's missing, and to speak for that voice or to get that voice on that table. And that's fundamental. I, I find diversity is critical in any space. And so my role where I am right now is to say, you know, where is that particular voice that's missing? Be it a woman on the table, be it a minority, be it an individual who is from or represents a specific space that we're actually doing business in. They must be present. So it's speaking for the other, lifting others up in that space. You know, I can take out examples in my life, many examples where my own situation or circumstances has changed because somebody unbeknown to me has lifted me up, has noticed my capacity and my value. And I said, you know what? Bring her in. So mm. I feel as part of my value addition in any space, I have to do that. It doesn't cost me anything. But what it does, what it does bring you, it is both, you know, an impactful experience for the individual concerned. That person remembers the loyalty forms, but you're recognizing everybody deserves recognition. Something else I bring to the table, yeah. Kenji, the third point is setting clear boundaries. Oh, my gosh. You know, hearing conversations sometimes um, people move all over the place, be it, you know, whether you're in a meeting or whether it's via email and someone, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm going to use a term, but it's actually just bullshitting and it's just crossing boundaries. And I know that there is a certain, you know, spark within me, an elastic band. It kind of just, you know, once you've literally extended that elastic band to a certain extent, if I can't take any more, I will politely tell you to F off in a nice way, <laughs> but in a manner <laughs> that literally, for me, it's more about, listen, what you're actually saying does not make sense. Or it's about, let's be authentic in this situation. You know, it's either an injustice injustice served or there's something that's not right, but I will call out bullshit. And I think it's important that you need to call out bullshit, but you also, more importantly, need to know how to do that. And mm. so I would obviously do it in a diplomatic manner, but it's 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 important. And I think it's important for growth, both for a team or any organization and as a leader, is to say, hold on, something does not smell good. And we need to understand what doesn't smell good and we need to work on it because it will make us only better. And mm. then, yeah. And so yeah. <laughs> for me, some of those three things, being authentic leader, capitalizing on diversity and lifting others up. I yeah. Think be the three those are those are really great. And I, and I see them being quite complementary. Something I want to explore is to be able to do number two and three, right? Where, or maybe yeah. I should say number one and number three. Number one has you saying, I am different and my difference is an asset here and I will bring yeah. my asset of diversity to the table, which means speaking up, 
and sharing and uh, and kind of like like finding your voice in in quite a dynamic way. The third mm. one where you say having boundaries boundaries that help us collectively get to impact right if mm-hmm. if what we're here to do is make a decision and people are waffling around i'm going to be like okay cut the crap let's make a decision right that's that's kind of yeah. some of what you're saying right yeah and yeah. and that requires you to also own your voice right and and feel like you can contribute at that level amira is this something that you've ever struggled with or you know how did you cultivate that because i think there there can be a lot of spaces that can tell us to pause to wait to um you know hear what everyone else has to say sometimes it's a feeling of needing to earn space especially when you're at a boardroom level i coach clients who sometimes come to me asking how do i cultivate executive presence i have so many clients who come to me for that and there's this mm. feeling of I need to be someone, I need to do something, Mm -hmm. I need to be called out, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The essence of my question Mm -hmm. is how did you you get to a place where you can and feel comfortable and confident sharing what you think? Sanji, I got to where I got to because of my capacity. So I am clear that the the position I hold, where I I hold it, is because there is, I've been brought to the table for a reason. I have the capacity to deliver on the technical side of that job. And for me, that is huge because I am confident in my capacity. The fact that I've been recognized for it, to be brought to that table, to do what I need to do, to speak, to represent. So that takes a huge weight off my shoulders. You know, anybody who tells me in that room that I need to wait, I need to 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 tone down. I question myself to a certain point and say, well, you know what? The only person I'm doing or serving an injustice is myself. By not expressing a point of view, by virtue of the reason I'm in there, to be able to express that and give my skill and technicality to that situation, if I don't do it because of somebody else's apprehension, et cetera, I'm, I'm serving a disservice. It's, it's myself I am disserving. So it's fundamental to say, no matter what, understand why you're there in that room. Mm-hmm. When you understand why you're there in that room, you have a role and responsibility, not just to yourself, but also to the role you hold. It's a duty of care. And when you understand those two elements, no matter who says what in that room, I will say my point. And if it's not heard, I will come back. I do not need to shout. And this is a really important point about also in your power, loudness does not need to take a presence for you to shout and scream a position. Calmly, I will reiterate. Calmly, I will re-intervene if it's not being heard. And calmly, if my question hasn't been responded, I will request calmly to have it responded to. And there's something about voice that takes a certain space on how you deliver that, which actually People attuned to, you know, they say 90% of what you say is not actually about what you say, but how you say it, how you deliver it. And I think from the, I've learned this through coaching um, over time to say that it is in that tone and time and, you know, space that I give the, the you know, the, the, the space for the question to be delivered that actually has the impact. 
I'm asking a simple technical question, but I would like it responded. And I think respectfully, I would like it responded. And even if it was the chair who questioned and said, you know what, maybe we'll sh we should hear about la that later, I will add, well, I would, I would appreciate a response or an explanation as to why I would need to have that question responded to later. So understand your role, understand mm. the duty you hold to that organization, that space, that space itself, and respond and stand firmly in that persona and intervene. Because, you know, sometimes we take on a lot. I'm a woman, I may be the only woman on that table, but I'm still there, Tenji. I'm mm. still there. I still sit on this table. That says mountain falls to me. I am present. Mm. And because I am present, I have a duty of care to fulfill my role, to do what I need to do, and then to sit back. Because mm. that so, actually brings it back to who are you responsible to right are you responsible yes. to your own um desire to be liked <laughs> are you responsible to the <laughs> ceo or the chair of I'm the committee you know what i mean job, absolutely but for me in my job i'm responsible to the continent exactly. i'm responsible to the people i serve i'm responsible in my job to a continent that this institution serves. And it mm. is in that interest or in that persona, I will ask the question that may need to be asked. Because I think personally for me, when I know that this role is bigger than me, the vision is bigger than my role. And one day I will leave, one day I will retire. And one day somebody else will come and fulfill the position. And that's fine, but still the vision remains the same. My, my, my beneficiaries or the beneficiaries that I serve are the people of this continent of Africa. So when I have that in mind, of course, some questions will refer and relate. I have to keep that in mind. And some are purely technical. And it's about ensuring that we technically are implementing the correct method. So mm. it's about taking away me in the whole process of, you know, I'm not there to be liked. I am yeah. there to serve. Yeah. And in that service, I will ask the questions I need to ask. Because I have a greater responsibility beyond the individual sitting on that table. I will be respectful. I will be diplomatic. But I serve a greater cause. Yeah. And it sounds like what you're saying, which I think is so beautiful, is that it's about framing in sharp clarity what is lost when you don't have a voice. Yes. What is lost when you don't show up as you. Because what we often do as individuals is we will quantify what is lost in terms of the immediate moment what is lost yeah. if I say the wrong thing or if yeah. I it turns out that the the dress I wore was too bright <laughs> or um <laughs> the the way that I approached that question was too direct is we think of the fallout in the moment and we think of the yeah. fallout of you know, maybe the next few weeks of this person remembering that interaction or what, whatever it might be, right? And we actually lose our um, sense or awareness of the bigger picture, right? What mm -hmm. globally is lost if mm -hmm. you held back something that could have um, shifted the direction or shaped the direction or actually really impactfully changed the outcome of yeah. a situation. And 
And that can impact lives. It can impact consumers. It can impact constituents. It can impact so many at, at so many levels. And I think, Amira, that's an, a maturity level that we have to show, right? When we become Absolutely. leaders is that now we can't afford to actually be wallowing in our insecurity. I say wallowing, even though it sounds like a judgmental word, but sometimes it's just the safe place of kind of being stuck. But yeah. we actually have yeah. to step up and rise up because guess what? People need us. Absolutely, absolutely, Tenji. And I think we have to move from being myopic to understanding what is it and why is it that we're here and we're Mm. present. Mm. And we've got to speak into that because as leaders, that's your vision. That's pretty much your vision. Where are we going to? You are leading. And of course, you would lead with values and virtue. Um, And so we have to consistently remind ourselves. um, I have to consistently remind myself Um, The environment I'm in, the space I'm in, understanding the culture and those that are around me and the sensitivities. But nevertheless, still keep in mind the whole point I'm there. Um, It would become very boring for me if, you know, things were easy. I always think that for magic to happen, they must be struggle. And everything has a forming and a processing that it goes through simply, you know, if we were to simplify it, simply how a butterfly actually goes through its own process. It goes through the whole process of going through the cocooning, etc. But there is a formation. And that's how even how gold is formed, the alchemy of gold, it goes through the heat, the manipulation and everything. Everything has to go through a struggle and a format formation process. And we have to see it through. We have to be courageous to see things through as leaders. And not afraid to ask those questions or push those boundaries, because that then breaks through to new terrains and to new realities, um, <laughs> which yeah. is pretty much you know the roles that we we inhabit as well. We have to push. Yes, we we do, Amira. And I loved what you were saying about the process of forging gold, like going through the fire, but even still like gold at every step of the value chain, there's just pressure involved, right? From the mining to to the, exactly. you know, sh- shaping it into sizable chunks that can be used to then being um, going through the smelter, right? And forged. And then if you, by the time it goes to a jeweler, it's being banged and shaped into position and polished. Throughout, there is this pressurized and I think, um, kind of impacted like receiving the impact and transformative yes. process yeah. it goes through to get to the place where it's sitting in a jewelry box and we're excited about it as you know the recipient of a gift right and Absolutely. when I think about that I think about it's the same for us as people right this journey of coming to a place where you can say I know what I bring to the table it's probably has been a journey of self-discovery of maybe trying things that doesn't go well, having some failures in, in your back. Um, I'd love to explore for you whether you've had a moment of reckoning in your career where you just realized that, look, I, can't, I can no longer afford to hold back or to not have my voice in in the work that I'm doing it's it's really time to own the space that I want to take up and would you be willing to share what that experience was like and what helped you to overcome it so it was was interesting I I think it was a time when I you know I was six months pregnant with my first child and I was in a space where career-wise I felt you know I was 
I felt like I was in a, in a space of liminality in transition. Um, I wasn't with the best of managers at that time. I struggled really um, quite a bit and found that there was no portal for me to express how I felt in my career at that time, not to my direct manager or the environment I was in. I felt that I was it was quite competitive. And here I am in a very sensitive space physically because I'm experiencing new things for the first time, you know, um, in, in, in my pregnancy. Um, I had to come to a point where I was about to leave for maternity leave. And I said to myself, Amira, what is important for you? Do you want to, when you come back, continue in this environment where you feel you're not moving career wise? need and you're, you're yearning for more you don't feel you're getting enough traction with your management and direct management um and you, you kind of feel suffocated um how are you going to what environment or what kind of reality do you want to come back to so i had a conversation with my senior um you know vice president at that time and i shared these um, concerns with him and this is one of the you know the one of the times that I had, you know, previously expressed that when an individual hears and sees you and really sees you for your value and what you can bring to the table. So he took a step back and said, you know what, when you come back, come and join my team um, because I know what you do. I can see what you do and I can see that you can fit into different roles that really will elevate what it is that you bring to the table. And so I, I went and I came back and I, you know, started to work with him directly. And it was an incredible time. But it took it took me recognizing that this situation doesn't serve me. I cannot be here. This is not right for me. And if I'm going home nearly every day in this sort of anxious and, you know, state of mind and concerned what the next email would look like from this particular individual, I, I just said, no, I cannot do that. I also, you know, took a little metaphysical kind of, you know, perspective. I'm about to have my first child. Is this the type of story, if I heard it from my own child, what would I say to them? Is this the kind of emotions that I would want to transfer to my own first child? You know, that whole magic of, of pregnancy and birthing and creating, it puts things into such a different perspective because you're just like, what is it that I want to pass on? If I was experiencing this from my own child, what would I say to them? I had to have my voice heard. And I needed to draw the boundaries for myself, for my well-being, to say that this place doesn't serve me. I need to speak out. I need to transition. And if there is no option of transition, I am more than happy to transition out. I'm ready to discover something else. Mm. So I was also very um, ready to think about other options that were beyond, you know, a formal career in an, in an institution, something that would, you know, take me beyond, yeah, it's a frightening, but it's, you know, it could go anywhere. Um, but it was to say, you know what, let's, let's, let's try this out. So, yeah. <laughs> mm, that's so, it, it, that's so yeah, interesting. It, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's important when, and I hope that I won't always, you know, that the transitions don't continuously happen in that kind of state of mind. But it was one point where I just needed to speak out and I needed to take make that right decision for me because, you know, the current circumstances were not serving me. Yeah. 
Had it been going on, I mean, if you don't want to share, that's fine. But how long had you been uncomfortable for? Like, what I'm trying to see is the amount of time that elapsed between the realization that, oh, this isn't working. I'm not really in a supportive environment here to you taking action and speaking to the person who became your future manager. So the interesting thing, Tenji, is I'm I'm a bit of a slow burner. So I can become consumed in my work. And when I have to interact um, with, you know, a contentious individual situation, I can sometimes retreat. So it had been going on for, I would just say, just under a year. And I think what perforated the situation was, of course, I was now pregnant and I was a little bit more, you know, less tolerant to things. Um, but I think even in that environment, that that individual that I was reporting to made it difficult with other individuals around me who I was working with. So and the funny thing is, which I find it quite interesting, is that this was a female. And I keep thinking, surely as a woman with another woman, we need to work together and support each other, specifically when it comes to the corporate environment. And it left me with some level of disappointment that I was not getting that from this individual who I reported to. Um, and and I, I kept having to say, you know what, how would I do this differently? How could I try and have conversations with this individual to understand if there was areas that maybe I needed to improve on? Uh, were they, was there things that I needed to work on? And I would have those introspection, <laughs> moments of introspection when I'm like, is there something I could do better? Yeah. Um, and so I, I'd gone through that process. I'd spoken to a career coach and she said something very interesting. She said to me, Amira, never move out of desperation because it doesn't always serve the next opportunity well. It doesn't always, you know, don't move in this in the, with the right mindset. You go looking for anything and you're desperate to move to anything. So this is what helped me say, you know what, if I do not move to a better place for my own state of mind and my own career progression, I am very comfortable to step out. And if that's where I will find an alternative space to you know, let my, my skills and, and my, my, my value be heard, um, and to transition, then let, let that be. Um, mm. Yeah. So, but I know many women who stay in these kind of environments for years and it breaks your confidence. It batters you internally. You start to question your capacity. You start to also form perceptions of who you are and you break down. You physically break down sometimes, but more mentally. The abuse is more harsh when it's mentally. Mm-hmm. And you question everything and it seeps into other areas of your life. And I, I said, no, that cannot happen. That's not my story. I will not allow this to transition into or transfer into other areas of my life. Yeah. Amira, you know, oh, there's so much, there's so much that you said there. That's gold. <laughs> that's gold. Um, one thing that really pinged for me was that you kind of looked at all the angles of the situation to say, well, is it me? Is it this environment? Is it this manager? Where is the challenge, right? And have I tried proactively to solve it at each level that the problem could sit, right? And it takes a lot of courage and I think humility to say I could be the problem and maybe let me go, you know, speak to someone else who can give me a, an independent perspective so I can see myself clearly, 
So I think that's something I really wanted to highlight in what you said. And the second thing was, uh, that was great that I loved, this is why I love that you're here and that we're having this conversation because you're always taking me to the next point I want to make and, and question I want to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what I wanted to ask you next um, had to do with, you explored the cost of, you know, what is lost when we aren't in an environment that helps us to thrive and makes the most of who we are. And I want to explore well, what is, what is one, you know, what, what is gained? Where, what's the power in knowing yourself, right? And how does it help you to lead with, you know, more? And I'm deliberately being vague on more because I'd love for you to share with us what really owning your strength, putting yourself in an environment that would help you to capitalize on your strengths and flow less restricted in who you are. What did that bring to you as a leader and in your career? Hmm. Gosh, Tenji, that's a, that's an even bigger question. Um, and and I feel I've 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 touched a little bit upon it, but it's um, I never feel that people, everybody has an innate capacity. Everybody has a gift. Um, you discover it. Some discover it sooner than others. Some are given and are 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 fortunate to have opportunities that bring it out faster. Um, or or know that they they can experience to be able to to realize it quicker um but everybody has a gift so I I feel when you're not in the right place and you struggle and I always have this saying whatever you resist persists if you're resisting and resisting continues it will persist until you change the game you change it and you divert and you need to shift. You need to learn how to pivot. You need to learn how to move and be open to opening, open to pivoting. And I think as women, we're not so comfortable with pivoting so much. We are sometimes, you know, made to feel that we should be grateful because we're here or we're in this particular space. But as women, we're powerful. As women, we have so much we bring to that table and being able to feel comfortable enough to say, you know what, I've done my assessment. I can appreciate some of the risks that may come if I do this or I change this, but I need to do it to be able to fulfill my higher purpose because I feel like I'm not. And this is in every specific, every individual. You know that when you're in a space, if it doesn't work, if you're going to struggle, but it just means that you need to move somewhere else so that you can find and you can recognize that maybe it's and something you may be completely unaware of could literally open up something in you that you've never recognized. So being able to pivot and also realizing it may not be in spaces um, or in areas that you are familiar with. So being open to say, you know what, let me try it. Let me give it a shot. Um, I think it's critical. You never lose anything by learning something everything is an opportunity to learn a skill even if it's just simply understanding how to manage a printer you will learn how to do that so I think we've got to be open not not losing the end goal because I always feel that the universe has a way of shifting opportunities in a manner that you call it into um and, and I think also by by being comfortable in yourself as a person you always know who you are. I mean, I moved into an institution. I worked in different spaces. I'm a lawyer. I stepped out of formal practice, but I always knew that I will always be a lawyer. 
Mm. I can bring out my certificate. I know that I can go back to law and practice full time in practice if I needed to. But I wanted to do, I wanted to go beyond. I wanted to push that. Mm. And I wanted to be, I wanted to experience more. So by knowing yourself, you're ready to take those risks. You're ready to pivot. You're ready to explore. And I think that's really fundamental. Um, it's something we need to welcome and it's something that you know within our careers and even in life um, only brings more richness if anything I don't know if I answered your question yeah yeah you did an aspect of it and, and it was quite an interesting answer and I want to take it a step further and ask you practically when you are on the ground um in your role right has being yourself helped you to have more, to lead with more presence or Absolutely. kind of stillness and Absolutely. self-embodiment? Because I'm thinking about leaders that I love to be around, right? When I feel yeah. we're in good hands here, we're going to get to a great answer. And I feel comfortable kind of yielding to their power because there's a way so there's a power that can feel quite sharp right or or an authority or a leadership presence that can feel like it's coming and it's pushing into you right and it's saying hey (laughs) I need to create space for me so that I'm seen and then there's a power archetype or an aura that can feel actually quite open and receptive and spacious and it can make the people around them feel more grounded, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I wonder mm-hmm. if you've experienced that as you've, cause you've worked for a number of years in your career. And I love that because you've just got so much richness you bring to the table. Have you found the sense of presence and stillness and self-embodiment shifting as you embody more of yourself? So, Tenji, I I feel that it's, um, you know, I think in the roles I played as a leader, leadership is chaotic. It's chaotic. To lead, you are, even though it may seem structured, there is chaos in that. And so by knowing yourself, you understand how far you can go as an individual and what you need to surround yourself with. As a leader, and I'm speaking personally, I know that I can do certain things, but I need a team who has other skills in areas I am deficient in, who will lead and who will speak truth in that area to me to help inform the decisions I need to make. And I think I am comfortable in that space. I am Mm -hmm. comfortable knowing that I can empower a team to do their job, to trust them, and to help me inform the decisions I need to make at a much more strategic level. And I think that's fundamental because I will not feel threatened. I will feel empowered. I will not feel that this particular person is questioning my own authority because I am there for a reason and they're there for a reason. And my transition out of that role is much easier because at a certain point, I will recognize when I'm ready to move, and I hopefully I'll identify who can fill that position following me. And, and so the fluidity of being a server leader and being able to build the right teams around you and to be able to also recognize capacity 
and also appreciate that you need people who are who can tell you what is going on. Don't couch it. Don't tell me in fluffy, flurry language. Tell me what needs to be done and help me respond to that. Help me find the solutions. I, th- I feel is, 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 is critical in those particular roles. You, know, you talked about the whole element around presence and stillness. Um, and I know we at one point talked about dancing and complexity. And I feel also as a leader, you need a lot of work on yourself as an individual. You know, where are you where are you at? The technical side of your role is critical, but being able to breathe into a situation, understanding at the end of the day, we are all human. We all have basic needs. So being able to, like I mentioned, leadership is chaos, but a leader has been called to simplify that chaos. Mm. Simplify it simplify the chaos understand the source of everything there is a source and usually the source of a lot of problems actually comes down to human nature so when you break and you dismantle whatever situation or problem that you or complexity you're faced or chaos that you're faced with and you may find that actually the source is an issue of human insecurity or it may be a lack of knowledge it may be an issue around ignorance or it may be around power dynamics. You are more empowered as a leader to be able to simplify the solution for that problem. And, you know, for me, the simplification process is actually just being able to, in one sentence, identify where the problem is. And then everything falls into into place one way or the other to help you resolve it. So Mm. I think as a leader, you're called into that particular, space help people dismantle complexity by simplifying simplify it Mm. and it's as mentioned it comes down to usually something connected to a a human nature Mm. Um, and then from there you find what options that you can you know implement implement to resolve the situation you know what I'm curious and (laughs) I'm I'm good (laughs) at I know (laughs) I know she's like, what is she about to ask me next? Oh my goodness. <laughs> and and I'm going to caveat this question by saying it is a bit of a deep question that assumes that you see yourself in the way that you move. And I know that as a coach, I'm quite good at seeing others in the way that they move. And I don't expect others to be able to see themselves at this level of clarity. So if you if you don't have an answer to this question, that's fine. That's what I'm I'm prefacing this with. But I'm curious <laughs> about when you say as a leader, your job is to simplify um, complexity and chaos, right? What is your unique way of doing that, Amira? So I think everyone mm. is different. And this is why why it's important for us to know who we are. Because then instead of trying to simplify com- chaos, in the way that John over there does it, right? Which is his way. I yep. can simplify chaos in my way, right? Which yes. will be different. Yes. But if all roads lead to the same result, which is yeah. simplification, <laughs> I yeah. can let go of how John does it and just fully embody my way, even if it takes a bit longer or if it feels a bit different or it's, you know, it's something I haven't seen other people doing before, but it's unique to me. So for you, do you have this awareness of, what what is your way of coming into a chaotic or or you know intense situation and actually bringing it down to simplification? You know, Tenji, it's it's like one example is when we had to put together 
this um, guidelines for an investment proposal within a team that I was working in. And everybody wanted to move or like, you know, shape the guidelines based on their own experience by virtue of the sectors that we should invest in. And we we got into this tussle. And at the end of the tussle, you know, I, I had been commissioned to lead this team. I sat back and I said, what is our goal? Where do we need to get to? So number one, identifying what's the journey? What's the end goal? What do we want to be able to have was, was, you know, from the preface. And of course, one individual said, well, we really want to expand our agribusiness, you know, investments in East Africa. And another individual said, no, but we really need to look into education and human capital development in this particular space. But then I'm saying, well, that is the process of getting to the goal. But the actual ultimate goal is, you know, increasing our equity investments in this particular space. How we get there is exactly what you're talking about. Now, does it need to be one or the other? So I started to ask questions to the team. And this is why I'm saying by speaking out on a table and asking the questions, asking the right questions is fundamental. This is when you start to unpack where people are coming from and their responses or their intentions. So the art of asking questions, the right questions is fundamental ask the right questions because this helps you literally just see what, what's on the table. What, what are we dealing with? And this helps you sieve out what's necessary, what's a priority and what could be something we can deal with later, all in vision of the ultimate goal. The third thing was taking a step back myself and saying, you know what, with all this information from this team, with all this feedback after asking the questions, where am I at? What What is it that I want to push on as a leader? Because at the end of the day, I would have the final say in, yes, let's do this. Or yes, that's that's where we need to move to. So I need to take a step back. I needed to breathe. Tenji, I'm, 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 I keep saying breathe because we so forget the fact that, you know, apart from the wonderful certificates that we've acquired, acquired globally, we are all human. And when we come back to core and we just focus on breath, it unpacks. It it literally calms the mind. It helps you start to either whether you like writing or jotting it down, just to deal with the multitude of information that you have been exposed to. And in that space of just focusing on breath, you can take a step back, be it meditation or breath or whatever it is. You can say, you know what? This is where we need to get to. And this is where we will focus on for now, while respecting and maintaining the ultimate vision that is the goal of our shareholders or the individuals that pay equity into the institution. Yeah. So I did. I needed to take that step back, come back, reflect, go back to the team and analyze the information, analyze everything that had been shared, following the questions, following the time I had to be able to reflect and say, in this regard, this is where we're moving to. Mm-hmm. And so... You asked me, what is that process of, you know, simplifying? I would say it's those things, understanding your vision, questioning, taking a step back, reflect, breathe, go back to core, and then come back and and, and move forward. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it doesn't always always happen in that order. Um, But 
And yeah. sometimes we don't always have like all the time that we hoped for we don't. or no. the conditions. But what I'm hearing yeah. you say that um, is valuable is you seem to have the capacity to slow down, like to slow down and say, okay, everyone's saying different things. Okay. What is bring it back to focus. And yeah. it's impossible to bring things back to focus if we can't pause things, right. And slow them down. Right. If and sometimes if yeah. you do, or or if you're in a meeting or if, if we yeah. still have to make that decision now, even in on the moment, you have to be able to like recognize what's, what's happening in the direction different people are taking the different things they're solving for and like pause and, and internally step back and say, okay, we need to recalibrate and bring this back. Right. And I think this capacity you have to pause is really powerful. And it's a skill that I think all of us as leaders need to be able to have, um, but some of us kind of more naturally have, then allows us to defuse a situation. Yeah. Sometimes it, you can discharge emotions. Sometimes you can bring people back to the core mission, which helps to actually reframe what we're here to do. And that is a skill that not everyone has. And so, um, and that I think, is worth learning right and so yeah. this is where I think is is the beauty and the magic of then to bring it back to what you said at the very beginning of this conversation is diversity right when you're able to see other leaders around you who are bringing competencies that they have to the way that they manage situations that's different to what you bring you're able to learn from them you know to what mm. you said as well building teams that bring in some of the skills that you lack, right? So that you can focus on the strategic big picture decision-making, but you know, you've got the diversity of talent and, um, you know, skill, et cetera, on your team to actually get you as a unit, as a combined unit with all your diversity, where you'd like to go. That's where then there's power. So mm -hmm. that was wonderful to hear. Thank you for sharing that example. Um, we are now at the end of our conversation and I just really wanted to honor you for being here and for being vulnerable, for sharing with us. Um, we're recording this episode. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to air, but it's August, which is Women's Month. Um, and it's really wonderful to have such a powerful, accomplished just anyone listening, go and check out Amira's LinkedIn. You will definitely leave feeling a sense of awe and just like joy to see <laughs> one of our fellow Black females just rising up in such a wonderful way. And in Women's Month, where we're here to celebrate each other, um, I love that this conversation was not about, oh, what do women bring to the workplace? But what? how do us as females, when we embody our power, bring such different things to the table to each other right um, amongst women we can differentiate we don't have to be the only woman in the room who therefore has to embody xyz behavior we can really solidly um, occupy our power and so I want to thank you Amira for being here I really appreciate you thank you Tenji it's been incredible yeah, um, really good conversation. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for your time as well.
Yeah, thank you. And as a parting word, where can people find you? So I'm going to link your LinkedIn in the show notes. And is there an initiative that you'd like to tell people that you're working on or support that you would love to lend their eyes to because it really matters to you? So it's actually still in its um, inception stages, but uh, we are working on something called the Indira Collection, which we aspire for it to be these spaces around Africa, um, sanctuaries, hotels, retreats um, that really capitalize on telling a different narrative about the continent to the world and really looking into African art and culture and architecture. Um, and obviously inspired by the locations that these places are are going to be established in. So it's something for the the long term, the future, but um, it's both in respect and in celebration of my heritage as an African woman. Um, but yes, it's called the Indira Collection and stay tuned more to to come through in the next coming years. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. And I love that you're playing a role in reshaping the narrative around Africa. That is so important for us. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the episode. And until next time, keep leading abundantly. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope it's inspired you to take action that brings you closer to leading as the truest version of your abundant self. If you enjoyed this episode, please would you consider leaving a five-star rating and following the podcast. It really helps other people like you to find me and benefit from this free leadership resource. Yours in abundance. Until next time.